and welcome to Femme Fandom, the podcast that proves no matter what the fandom, you're not alone. I'm your host, Megan, and with me is Kate. Hi, it's Kate. And Fern. Hello. So, uh, today we are talking about the modern era of female-led superhero and comic book movies, and specifically Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Yes. So, unless you live under a rock, you've probably seen a lot of hype around these movies recently. Uh, In the last five years, the two major comic book companies, DC and Marvel Comics, have made a combined 28 superhero movies. Wow. Jesus. I didn't know that. Of these, we've had a slew of amazing female characters, but only two with female leads so far. We are getting a Black Widow origin story. Oh, so excited. Why has that not happened yet? Uh, uh, because do you know Black Widow's origin story? It is not PG-13. Yeah, Don't care. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> don't care. My next point, there have been female-led superhero movies in the past, but generally they've been critical and financial failures. Mm. In 1984, after the success of a Superman movie, DC decided to make a Supergirl movie featuring the Man of Steel's cousin. Actress Helen Slater starred in this film, which flopped both in the box office and critically. And fell into obscurity. I didn't know about it until I started to research for this. Neither did I. So it took a little over a decade for a lady to lead again with the 1995's Tank Girl starring Lori Petty. It again was a failure, bringing back only a measly 24% of its overall budget in the box office. It made a fourth of what it used to make the movie. Okay, so that came out at a really pivotal time of like my <laughs> teenagerhood. I heart that movie. <laughs> It's so good. I've never seen it, so. Yeah, same. Next came Halle Berry as Catwoman in 2004. A movie so bad, it is repeatedly listed as one of the worst movies of all time Mm. in online listicles. Halle Berry won a Razzie Award, which is an award given for bad movies, for Worst Actress, and said this in her acceptance speech. Quote, First of all, I want to thank Warner Brothers. Thank you for putting me in a piece-of-shit, god-awful movie. End quote. God, I love her. Oh my god, that's amazing. (laughs) Uh, A year later, with the success of Ben Affleck's Daredevil, 20th Century Fox decided to make a spin-off movie starring Hmm. Jennifer Garner as Elektra. This movie, again, was a critical failure, but it did better than her ancestors in the box office. It is still the fourth lowest-grossing film featuring a Marvel character. Wow. Box office numbers and critical success are not the only measure of a good movie, but it wouldn't be until 2017 that a female-led superhero movie would achieve both, and that would be Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman took a whopping $412,563,408 in the USA alone. Wow. This is a slightly old number, so the number might be a little bit higher than that now, but that's the number that I found when I started this research. Uh, Director Patty Jenkins who has also directed the hit thriller Monster, which, if you haven't seen that movie, it's so good. And actress Gal Gadot shown in their roles, making the movie a rousing success critically as well as financially. Notably, there were no women working on the screenplay or story, though some heavy-hitting names are associated, such as Alan Heinberg, Zack Snyder, and Jason Fuchs. Let's start there. We're, we're going we're gonna to dive into Captain Marvel here in a little bit, too, and I'll give a little bit of background about that once we get there. But let's start... With Wonder Woman, Wonder since Woman. it was the first one that, that came out and achieved both financial and critical success. Overall, what did we think of the movie? Fern's giving me eyes here. So uh, your thoughts here, Fern. I was excited when it came out. I was yeah. like, yes, Wonder Woman, let's do this. And when I first saw it, I was like, there's something not right. And then watching it again, I was like, oh, oh no. 
And yeah, it's not, it's not what they said it was. They're like, oh, feminism, feminism, it's great feminist, whoa, girl power. And it's not, it's very typical for a female led movie mm-hmm. where they're patronized by the male characters. And like, it's just, yeah, so. Were you a fan of the Wonder Woman character? Did you? In the beginning, no. No. Wonder Woman's never. No, yeah, she's never been any anywhere in my radar of something that I would watch or followed. Do you have any idea of why that is? Is it just not a character you related to, or was there something specifically about that character that you were like? I think because her powers are so much like okay, so there's Superman, and then there's Wonder Woman, and. She's basically just a female Superman. Yeah. So not talking about like Supergirl or anything, which is his cousin, which is a whole nother thing. It just, it felt like pandering. You yeah. Know? Like, oh, I agree. here's Superman, but here you can have Wonder Woman. And I was like, eh, nah. <laughs> I like the X-Men universe a lot better where the female characters have their own, um, for a word. Abilities? Uh, yeah. Like their, their own. Yeah. Their own like stories, their own. They're individuals. Yeah. Personalities. Yeah. Instead yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> Personality. <laughs> They're not just based off a male character. They are their own person. Not their delving, own character. Not delving too far into the DC Marvel comics debate, uh-huh. but I think that DC does fall flat in this. Yeah. They are not great at making strong female characters that don't just seem like carbon copies with boobs. Yeah, well, because you have, uh, like, the Flash, and then you have Jesse Quick, which is just a girl Flash. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. And I'm not going to say that Marvel never does that, because Marvel definitely does, does yes. do that. Yeah. But I think that Marvel also has a lot of individual, original female characters that don't fall into that trope. Yeah. But moving away from that debate, Kate, what do you think of the movie? So when I first watched it, I loved it. And I loved it for a long time. And then I saw it done better, basically. Which we'll get into later. Uh-huh. Okay. But I'm with you. Yeah. I'm tracking what you're yeah. So I really, I really truly enjoyed it. And actually, Rick and I talked about it a little bit on the way here of like, he's like, I just, I don't understand. You loved this movie when it first came out. You loved it. And I was like, yeah. And then I thought about it <laughs> and watched it for more than just entertainment and like actually watched what it was saying. And it definitely falls short of what I was wanting and what they were saying it was. Mm-hmm. I think that's a trap that we fall into in a lot of media is we watch it and because it's the first one and this is technically still, in my opinion, the best of the DC movies. So when you compare it to the rest of the DC movies, it's still better than that. So you're watching it the first time and it's the first time you're seeing a woman portrayed on screen and the movie is all about her and you get some of those really powerful scenes with like the sword in the back of the dress or her charging over the top of the foxhole and stuff like that. And they're just these like awe-inspiring moments and then you stop and you think about some of the other moments that happen in the movie where she's basically just like this naive little girl being oh, led around by the hand um, by Chris Pine's character, Steve, right? Steve, Steve. Steve. yeah. yeah. The weirdest name. Yeah, the um, mother Steve. Yeah, it, yeah. Steve's dying planes. Don't name your kid Steve. <laughs> Don't. Steve's. Name your kid. <laughs> Don't name your kid Steve. Steve. <laughs> But I think that's a that's a trap that we fall into with a lot of media when we stop and we analyze it and we really think about it and then we're like, oh man, this I thought was lighthearted and fun and entertaining and now it's turned out to be something that I think might be a little bit more harmful than helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so personally, I went and saw this movie because Zeke wanted to go see this movie and I disliked it from the beginning. 
Like, I found flaws with this movie, which I will, I'm sure, go in depth on uh, while we talk from the very beginning. But it was the first of its kind. And I think that it still was very important for breaking the barrier of women can have their own movie and be the star of their movie and it will do well in the box office. So from that perspective, I think it was really important. But I do think that this movie falls far, far short of the goals that we set for a female-led superhero movie. No, that's very true. Okay. Important doesn't always mean good. Exactly. Very true. So um, I'm just going to dive into this, and I'm going to say one of the first things that really bothered me about this movie is you start this movie on Themyscira, which is supposed to be this island of all Amazonian women. No men. There are no men on this entire island. We spend the first... 10 to 20 minutes of this movie on Themyscira? Uh, it actually, I, I, uh, I timed, timed it. it. I timed Ooh, it. Good. And it actually, by the time they get on the boat and they're like, you know, doing that whole weird nighttime <sighs> conversation move, we can get into in a minute. Yep. Um, we'll get there. It was about 20, 25 minutes. Okay. So we spent so 20, 20, yeah, 22, okay. 23 minutes uh, actually on the island. We spent almost 25 minutes on an island of all women. In this movie, there are five named female characters whose names are spoken during the movie. DC, don't give me that bullshit where you named them in the credits and that's good enough. No, there are five characters that are named by name during dialogue in the movie. We spend 25 minutes on an island of just women and we get five named female characters. And two of those weren't even on the island. Yeah. Thank you. Two of them were on the island. What else would I say? Yeah, no, no, no. So, so you know, yeah. So, <laughs> so I went on Google because I'm like, I want to see. I, I could, I didn't know how to spell Doctor Doctor Maru. Uh, Isabel Maru. Maru. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't know how to spell her last name. I wanted to Dr. take it Poison. out on my. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to know. Um, and it came up with all of these names, almost seven women from Thermoscura, and I'm like, did I hear? them no, names no, i didn't. couldn't remember so i asked my husband i'm like so when we were watching did you hear their names and he's like no and i'm like so why did they even put it in the credits they called one person senator yes oh and there was a baby tutor tutor, tutor. the tutor tutor why are you running away senator yeah yeah that was why it. are they running away from- why, why are yeah. you why are we calling you your position you i don't want to be called teacher it drives me nuts okay so to be fair to movies they do that to male characters too sometimes characters that are just in the background i only know this because i watch Everything with subtitles on. Everything. Uh, I'm super distractible, so it's really nice to have subtitles on so I can read what's going on. It also helps with what you were saying, where you can actually see characters' names as they mm-hmm. come up. And I could get all the spellings and things because it's right there in the subtitles. They do that for background characters that they don't want to name, but they still need to put in the subtitles and have a distinction for. So then people who are reading know that it's a different person speaking. So, you know, to their credit, there is that. But yes, it's very annoying to be on an island of all women when we could have named that tutor. Very mm-hmm. easily could have named that tutor. It didn't need to be this big thing. Just call her by her fucking name when you're talking about her. Why did you run away from your teacher? How about, why did you run away from blank? Why did we need to, to like, just call her by her name? I don't understand why that would have been so hard. I don't get it. So, for me, this movie falls really short on what I would think of for named female characters. Mm -hmm. Because uh, when you spend 25 minutes on an island of all women, 
and she's supposed to be this strong Amazonian woman. And not only that, but if you think about how much dialogue some of the women in this movie have, like Etta Candy is one of the named women in this mm -hmm. movie. She's um, Steve's secretary. secretary. Mm -hmm. Who literally has a shopping montage with the main character. We'll go there later. But she really has maybe 20 lines of dialogue in the entire movie. I wouldn't even say 20. I'm being generous okay. because she did have that one small monologue where she's talking to him on the phone and mm. going over the battle map. So I'm being slightly generous <clears throat> because of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you know, and when I was looking at the sexy lamp test, I was like, okay, well, no, but Etta could have been a sexy lamp. Easily. Oh, 100%. As much as I don't want to admit it, some of the Amazonians could have been no, as well. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's like, what were they there for? Super cool action scenes, but... Yeah, there was there was a slew of them just standing in the background, just standing in the ineffectual armor too, like uh, the armor that mm. makes no sense at all. Oh, that drives me nuts. Okay, uh, okay, backtrack. Yeah. We're getting off yeah. topic. I, I have I have thoughts about that when we get to that point. I really do. Okay, um, but I want to get there. So you know, Addie Candy doesn't have a lot of lines. Doctor Isabel Maru does not have a lot of lines. She's mm. like the second biggest main villain in this movie, which. DC has a really bad tendency of trying to cram too many villains into a movie, and I think they did it in this one, too. Mm -hmm. I was like, why did we need the whole Ares thing? Also, weird acting choice. I get that you were trying to come from left field, but could we at least have shaved his mustache for the scene where he's falling off Olympus? Because it is strange looking. But Maru really only has, again, if I'm being super generous, 20 lines of dialogue. And, you know, your your main dialogue is coming from Diana. She's really the only one that gets more than a few lines in this movie. And yeah. it's kind of sad to see. Yeah, her mom talks a lot, but only to her really as a child. As soon as she grows mm -hmm. up, it's, they don't have a lot of conversation. No, no. I don't think two women have a conversation in the entire movie. No. Because think, think about Wonder Woman and Etta. They meet, but they don't actually converse. They go shopping, but they don't actually have a conversation. They right. talk about, they make comments about the clothes to each other, but it's yeah. not a conversation. They have parallel comments. They don't yes. ever intersect. That's true. Yeah, because I was yeah. thinking about it. And I was like, well, she tells her to watch the sword. I'm like, but that's not a conversation. That's no. an erection. Like, yeah, that's a that's a comment. They know? comment to each other, but they don't converse. They don't converse. Right. It's like they converse through Steve. Yeah. You know, the whole thing about, you know, oh, well, we're, we're, where I'm from, that's called slavery. And then Edda's like... Oh, I like her. Yeah. That's, why would you not just be like, I like you. I like you. Let's yeah. be friends. Yeah. You know, like, why is that so hard? Why do you have to? Why does it have to be through the man? And, right. I, and I think that goes back to this idea of a lot of this movie is just him holding her hand through the world and helping her do things because she's this poor, naive Amazonian woman, but not when we need it to be important. She's mm -hmm. not naive then, guys. Nope. Um, I would argue that... Somebody help me with it. Antiope? Antiope and Hippolyta do have a conversation. Hippolyta. Hippolyta, thank you. Do have a conversation. Because they talk about her training. Yes. They talk about Diana's training. Okay. But it is a blip. Yeah. Like, it is a three-line conversation, quote-unquote. Like, yeah. using air quotes around this conversation that is had. It's very short. It is. Very, very short. Short enough that I, I like, I remember them short speaking, enough that really but I don't remember that. what they said to each other. Exactly. You train her better than you've trained any other Amazon. Yes. That's the basics oh, that's of right. the conversation. Like, if you're going to train her, then you better, you better be, yeah, you she better needs to be better than you. Train. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good job, Kate. I just watched it this weekend. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and 
those few those few and far between conversations technically aren't about a van, but a lot of the conversations that are had are through the lens of Steve or directly about another guy. Even when Diana's talking with other men, it's usually about other men. Well, and the other thing that you have to remember is that the entire creation story of the Amazons could be argued that their entire purpose is about men. You know, their whole thing is that they were created to protect mankind mm-hmm. from Ares. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's like, no, even on even on Themyscira, where it's all girls talking to each other all the goddamn time, they're still talking about guys! Like, how is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're really... I, I, I hadn't thought of it like that. You're right. Like, that whole mythos about their whole purpose being to save mankind. They were brought about to save mankind. But then they led a revolt because they were enslaved by man. Valid. But Hippolyta doesn't ever bring that up as a reason why she wanted them as scared to stay hidden and why mm-hmm. she didn't want Diana to go out into the world. No. All she ever talked about was she didn't want Ares to find Diana. Right. Which, valid. If you're a parent, you obviously don't want your child to be right. in danger. But also, don't you think if you were having that conversation, you would also be like, so by the way, men enslaved us, and we had to lead a revolt to save ourselves from their enslavement? It's not like she's talking to a nine-year-old anymore. Right. Like, Diana's a grown-ass woman. Mm -hmm. Like, tell her how it, what it is, let her make that decision for herself, but don't just make it like a, oh, but I don't want you to get hurt, they don't deserve you, bullshit. That is not useful. Yeah. That is not useful. That was really annoying. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like she never, she aged, but she never really aged during this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone still treated her like she was nine. Right. And for some reason, she was just fine with that. Like, I, it, mm-hmm. it seemed very strange to me. So, on that note, is her story arc really her story arc? Or is it just about supporting a dude? No, it's not hers. Not at all. I don't, I don't think it's her story at all. It's Steve's story with the title of Wonder Woman. Well, yeah, I mean, like, okay, so the only reason she leaves the island is because Steve shows up. If Steve had never showed up, she would never have left the island. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. So, yeah, he kind of takes over and it's her story, but it's his story it's her leading it. Yeah, it's her story told through the lens of him. Like, yeah. And he's the one that does everything to progress it, except for the one decision she makes on her own to cross that foxhole and go across no man's land. I would argue even that that I would argue that that necessarily wasn't all her decision though, mm-hmm. because his unwillingness to listen to her pushed her to the point where she was like, "Well, never mind. I'm just going to do it." Which but is I don't, that making your own decision? Because I, I feel like that's making your own decision. It's it's making your own decision, but being manipulated by somebody else. Even unwittingly. I yeah. Don't, I don't know if he was trying to manipulate No, I don't think he was trying to. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at it through the guise of, like, the guy's storyline, like, he didn't want to. Right. He was unwilling to even listen to her argument at all. And how many times does that happen to women in movies and then they go off and they do their own thing because the guy won't listen to them well, at all? I see what you're saying. So it's more of a movie making trope than it yeah. is necessarily. Thank you. Yes, a trope. A, That's where I was. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't get that word. Mm-hmm. So then it is necessarily a real world example of how this would play out. It's, right. it's more of a. Because it's a movie, we used this specific manipulation that's used over and over again in movies in order to get women to do something because they have to prove... They have to prove themselves. Uh, Yes. Yes. And we'll bring that back up when we talk about Captain Marvel. Yes. Yes, we will. (laughs) Kate's 
like shivering with excitement over here. It's great. I can't wait. I have feelings about whether or not this is her own story because on the one hand, she sticks really closely with the I'm going to find and kill Ares the entire time. That is her thought, that is her goal, that is her mission, and she does not deviate from that. But she only finds the strength and the power to defeat Ares at the end of the movie when they killed Steve. That was the (sighs) only way that she chose it. And the fact that she was just in this convenient, like, BDSM wrapped up position, laying on the floor, looking up into the sky to watch him explode, and then have that weird screaming, in slow-mo. Oh, the slow-mo. It was odd. It was very weirdly shot. And then and then all of a sudden it was, I'm powerful enough to do this because I've lost my love and I've realized. And also the trope of love conquers all being the woman's strength kind of bothered me yeah. in this movie. So her that was like her uh, like catchphrase, I feel, uh, that she says at the, near the very end is, I believe in love. Mm-hmm. So she tells this whole story and then she's like, oh, but I believe in love. And I'm like, but why does that have to be your catchphrase? Like that could have, she could have done something totally different. There could have been another line written in there. But it's all about, she only has power because she lost the love of her life. Which is and, absurd. Yeah. Oh, and like, ugh, when I watched it, I was like, oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the possibilities that they had with her in this story, even not changing Steve being there and the way that he treats her, but the, the possibilities that they even had with that, if she had leaned more into Chief, who was like legitimately seemed to be an actual person who wanted to support and back up, like in no way, shape or form treated her like a child. It was like, no, that's true. You know, Chief was like the one who was like, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to fuck with her. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, man, I, you can't, you can't, you can't pay me enough to deal with this chick, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And just like that constant, he was the only one that really had that constant feeling of like, yeah, no, you can rely on him. You know, if she had leaned, they had leaned more on that relationship of even just a friendship. Yeah. That could have been an entirely different story. It was very odd that they introduced these other male characters and didn't develop, they developed pseudo friendships with them, it felt like. Like, they wanted you to think, like, instantaneously, like, oh, she's friends with these guys. But they didn't lay the groundwork for that to happen. And not only that, was it, his name was Samir? Yeah, they called him Sammy. 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 They called him Sammy. Sammy instantly hit on her. The minute he met her. Let's talk about stereotypes. Right? You knew it was going to happen somewhere in the movie, but, like, you, at that point, you had just been holding your breath, like, okay, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, fuck. There it is. is. Like, can we have a movie where that doesn't happen? And then it doesn't suddenly become this, oh, ha, ha, this is my friend Sammy, and he hits on me all the time, but it's fine. We're just buddies. Ha, ha, ha. Really? Right. Can we not? Right. You know, and then Charlie being, like, just constantly talking down to her. Mm -hmm. You know, if he called her wee lass one more time, I was going to put my fist through the fucking TV. The one that got me, and I wrote it down word for word, was, quote, get off me, woman, don't make a fuss. Yes. When she was trying to see if he was okay after he was having his, like, nightmare about what had gone on. And the other thing that bothered me is they never really went into that. They never Mm -hmm. explained what was going on with him, which I felt like could have been a great connection between the two of them of, like, I'm a warrior, too, and I watched, you know, this person who was basically, I think it was her aunt, right? It was her aunt. Yeah. yeah. Who, like, I watched my aunt die on the battlefield. I've trained my whole life to be a warrior, and I never thought that this would be as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. They could have had that awesome connection between the two of them and just never explored it. No. It was never something. 
Well, it's, it seems like the, the movie started, and as soon as they have that battle on the beach on the island, it just, it's a train. It just, mm-hmm. right through to the end, yeah. um, to the final battle. There's no, like, there's no slowdown to develop any of the characters. Not any of those side characters um, at all. You get little bits of it, but not enough to, like, really build up, like, a connection with any of them. Yeah. Like, there were Amazon women who I was like, I want to know more about yeah. this person. Like, I want to know about the the really strong African American. Uh, oh, yeah. Who, like, seriously kicked ass. Like, yes. I want to know her Took story. Up, like, three people at once, and we just gloss right over right, her. Right. Like, like, what's the fuck? Cool. Screw these guys. Let's follow her. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just like, there's so many times where it's just like you know and like Charlie like we said that would be an incredible story to get more of more about Sammy talking about wanting to be an actor but he, his skin was brown like yeah. hello they touched on so many great <clears throat> issues like the same thing with Chief where he brought up um, you know my people every, all my people died and blah 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 and she said who did that to your people and he said his people and he was talking about Steve just an amazing moment where like it's it's this recognition for the audience of like oh you can still you can get past some of this stuff and it doesn't make it okay and it doesn't make it right but there's a way to move forward in your life and then the same thing with Sammy where it's like oh but my skin's the wrong color it was this perfect opportunity for her to learn about why this world is the way that it is and they just never explored it. Like, none of these things were explored and I feel like they were kind of doing it to check boxes. It was just like, okay, we got that box and we got that box and we got that box. Okay, cool. We're making people happy. We're good. I'm checking boxes in the air because this is great for a podcast. (laughs) Everybody can see you doing it. Everybody can see it. That's right. (laughs) Uh, I just... I just felt really frustrated because a lot of those dialogue pieces felt very much like, okay, we have this checklist of things that we want to get done. Boom, 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 boom. And you're right. It was like a train. It was just like, you are on this train and there is no time to do character development. Screw you. Yeah. Just chugging right along. And they could have. They could have. Because there's movies that do it. There are movies that are really great movies that delve into the backstories of characters in the same time frame uh, that Wonder Woman had. So, yeah. So, we didn't get a lot of time for our extra character development. So, like Mm -hmm. Kate said, there were a lot of Amazons that were standing in the background that really felt like they were just sexy lamps. They were just Mm -hmm. ladies standing in the background in order to fill a spot and look pretty, and that was it. Which, what I heard about the the ladies that they actually had is they actually hired people who were equestrian experts or people who were, like, women who were good at this battle oh. stuff. Seriously? That's I didn't what know I that. heard. I don't know for sure. I hadn't had a chance. Oh. I didn't have a chance to look it up. I'll look it up before I edit, and if it's true, I'll leave it in, and if it's not, I won't. But, I'll edit it out. But um, it's, you know, like, that's fucking amazing, and they completely wasted that talent yeah. by not doing anything. Well, they did a little bit of it when they did the battle montages. The only scene that I'm remembering very vividly, vividly because you said equestrian, was the one where the girl flips onto the side <gasps> of the horse God. and shoots the arrow, and that was fucking cool to watch. Yes. Like, that was amazing to watch. So, like, I could see them having things like that, but I, I do agree with you that a lot of the Amazons were just kind of there, and they just kind of looked pretty. So let's talk real quick. We we, we touched on it earlier about the, the armor. So mm. let's talk a little bit about armor and costumes in this movie and what you guys thought. Uh, Fern, you were the one that brought it up, so let's start with you. So I don't necessarily agree with the female armor uh, in this movie. If they were, I mean, maybe for practice, you know? Like, if they're just, like practicing but if you're actually going to go into battle you're not going to have a low cut top showing your cleavage you're not going to have your arms bare 
or your legs bare. You're not gonna have a short skirt, you know, like, and if you looked closely, most of the boots had heels. Oh, I did oh, notice that. Oh, I did that. not notice that. Woo! My lovely husband noticed that and let me know that all the boots had heels. Well done. Even Abby. Wonder Woman's when she's in her Wonder Woman superhero outfit. That one I did know. Also mm-hmm. has heels. Yeah. Now, if you're actually going to go into battle, you are <laughs> not going to be wearing heels. No. Nope. Um, it just, it doesn't make any sense. That armor makes no sense. It Historically, it does in the sense of they're pulling from Greek mythology. And the Greeks, when they went into battle, had very similar armor to that. Okay. Although women didn't really fight with yeah. the Greeks. That was a Spartan thing. Um, and so it's yes and no, basically. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's very similar. They didn't really have, like, what we think of as, like, the leg cover coverings or really the arm coverings really even it was basically a chest plate and a leather skirt, skirt thing, like kilt thing yeah. yeah okay it was and what they did a lot of times to actually protect the rest of their body was the um shield the way the shield was built or functioned right. was bigger and able to go well, together yeah okay so um, historically it was more accurate than it was actually ish accurate okay ish ish, ish. You make the argument. <laughs> we did, can go with ish that's I did, fine i did read an article about the costume designer of mm-hmm. this and how she came to this decision and she did do, actually I should say they, because I'm not 100% sure that it was a she. They did research into Greco-Roman armor and then adapted it for what they felt like the female form would use if, if they were using time. armor in that style. Okay. Now, do I agree with all of the style choices that were made, like the low-cut tops that had the cleavage and the skirts that were too short? No, I think the skirts could have gone down to the knee and still been completely practical. And I think that the armor really could have gone Probably not all the way up to the neck, but we don't need the like. I, I'm making, I'm mimicking a sweetheart neckline. If anybody knows what a sweetheart neckline is, it's the thing that looks like a heart in between your boobies. But that's what most of the armor was. Was that sweetheart yeah. neckline that really accentuated? Oh, they have curves here, and this is where they curve. And I don't necessarily agree with that decision. I also don't agree with the decision to make Wonder Woman's skirt even shorter than the Amazon's skirt. Right. Yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. 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 Like uh... when I watched it the first time I don't think I noticed how bad it was but when I watched it the second time I was like whoa that skirt is short I mean they treated her like a child so maybe they just didn't give her a new skirt to keep her up You were nine. You had six inches and said, oh, it's, it's cool. Your waist didn't get any bigger. You're fine. Six inches. <laughs> yeah, they do. Nine, don't they? I'm very short, y'all. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what big people are. <laughs> I don't know. Your bodies don't make any sense to me. We've gone way off topic, y'all everyone. Why tall as me? Anyway. <laughs> In addition to that, I did notice the heels on her costume. Yes. Which were very frustrating. And not only did they make it a point to kind of highlight women's curves and things in their choices of armor and stuff like that, they made it a point to use slow-mo in every single battle scene. Multiple times in every single battle. Yes. It was infuriating to watch. Some of it was cool. Antiope getting the throne by the shield and turning around and Mm -hmm. taking down three. No, that was beautiful. Was amazing. That was however, but that was an effective use of slow mo. And I do not think that every use of slow-mo was an effective use of slow-mo. Oh, God, You want to know what the most egregious one was for me? Oh, let's hear this. When she's walking out of the foxhole, and we do a slow-mo of her walking up the ladder, and it's just like, look, it's her butt, it's her back, it's her sword, look how pretty, she's so pretty. Like, why are we doing this? Do we really need a slow-mo of this right now? Slow-mo, no. Feature, 
Yes, it's the first time we actually see her in the Wonder Woman costume. Right, but then we get a slow-mo of her outside of the foxhole, walking away from the foxhole, and I will say... That scene was powerful. Yes. Seeing her with the, like, gray background and the gray ground and the bullets firing everywhere and all these men and it's, like, slow-mo and you can't really hear their voices. It's a little bit muffled and there's this big orchestral music playing and then she is right there in that bright, like, red and blue and gold and she's the only color in this drab scene was just, like, bam! It was This is what I wanted out of my female superhero. This right here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So when we got that, we didn't need the slow-mo scene before it. Well, here's the thing, too, is a lot of movies use slow-mo. A lot. Like, oh, a yeah. lot of action movies do. The problem was, is that you don't notice. You know, you notice it, but you don't. The problem was Wonder Woman used it so much that you were like, another slow-mo? Another? Another? Like... You caught on because it kept being used. Mm-hmm. Can I propose a Wonder Woman drinking game where you take a every shot time? every oh. slow-mo? <laughs> we would be wasted so quick. If we ever start a Patreon, we will, like, record that happening. Y'all. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> I'm a lightweight. I will die. You might. I won't. I will be taking shots of, like, mead or, like, apple, like, hard cider or Bud something. Bud Light. Yeah, <laughs> Not beer. <laughs> it wasn't the beer fact. It was the how little alcohol there is in I'm it. So, fact. <laughs> I'm such a lightweight. Oh it's my okay. God. Erica knows. Yep. You're adorable. Fern knows. Yeah. Fern knows how much of a lightweight I am. Um, so, some of the other outfits getting off of armor that we mm. saw in this movie. Let's talk about the stereotypical shopping scene. Uh, I don't want to. I don't okay, so I, I don't like to shop. <laughs> Neither do I. I do. So I did a little research because I was like, are those actual outfits from that time period? Because I was curious because some of them looked a little weird and I'm like, what is going on? And yes, so she tries on four outfits. The first three that she nixes because she can't kick and fight in them, which I mean, if she's a warrior, that's valid, um, are, are actually from that time, from 1918, I think the movie was set in. So those were part of that. Um, the fourth one was a combination of a woman's suit from that time period and a man's suit. So they kind of made that one up a little bit. But that makes um, sense for what she was looking for. Yes. And because if you look, the skirt is a little more flowy, so she could totally kick in that skirt. So I totally get that. Um, the hat was not of that time period, mm-hmm. and but the glasses were. <laughs> but they were men's glasses, not women's glasses. So that was interesting, too. That is interesting. Yeah. Although her throwing on the glasses and Etta being like, oh, yeah, throw glasses on her and suddenly she won't be the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. I was like, okay, first off, glasses does not make you less beautiful. Can we please not, like... I think that was the point of what was being said. The point of what was being said was you're not going to hide how beautiful this woman is. Because she was trying to allude to the fact that putting on glasses would suddenly hide how beautiful this woman is. So it's like, for me, it was perpetuating that stereotype of like, oh, as soon as you put on glasses, you're not as beautiful anymore. You're this nerd. It was like a backhanded compliment. Exactly. I took it as a nod to Superman, honestly. Because of the sense of like, oh, he's in glasses. Clearly he's not Superman. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Also. Right. Complete bullshit. <laughs> that's, the, that's what I took from it. I have so many feelings about Clark Kent's alter ego. And that's is, another podcast. Is that is not now. Totally not us. But it's so much more than the glasses. But anyway. Ooh, we should do that though. It's so much more than the glasses. But 
The thing that bothered me the most about that scene is that that scene and all the scenes leading up to her were just point after point after point after point after point of she's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty. And that's all it was. I remember distinctly there was a point where they're like walking through the the like streets of London and these guys are like looking at her because she's the most beautiful woman they've ever seen. And Steve's like, eyes to yourself, boys, or something along those lines. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have to, like, protect her virtue or something? <laughs> like, who the fuck gave you the right? My favorite is that he's seen her fight. <laughs> like, let them try something. It would be amusing. Well, the other yeah. thing that bothers me is he's, and this we'll talk about this again more later, I'm sure, but he's seen her fight and multiple times in the movie he holds her back. Mm-hmm. And then, because, like, right in this, like, little area that we're at in the movie, they get in those fights with the Germans and he's like, stay back. And all of a sudden she, like, reaches around him and tings the bullet and he's like, oh, maybe not. And I'm like, what the fuck, maybe not? Like, dude, you've seen her fight. How in the world did you think she was just gonna stand behind you like some wallflower and, like, just let you fight everybody? Well, and then to have him end that fight scene also pissed me the fuck off. Like, why does he get the last hit? That's dumb. He stole the kill. Those are the people who get blocked on Xbox with me. (laughs) You steal my kill, you're gone. (laughs) I'm bad. I'm always the D&D character that snipes the kill. (laughs) It's because I never do any damage. So then when I hit, I'm like, oh, I do 10 points of damage. What happens when he dies? Everybody else is like, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck. He did 10 points of damage this entire fucking fight. I'm like, hmm. But that whole, like, series of scenes just really bothered me because it was just constantly bringing up how pretty she is and it all culminated in her walking into this like council meeting or whatever. Oh yeah and and, the, and all the men were like oh, there's a woman there's a woman there's a woman there's a woman there's all this whispering and yeah. I'm like what? So for the time <sighs> period I guess I can kind of understand why it would be weird that there was a woman in the chamber because that's not a thing but they also kind of instead of just making it about like what the fuck why is there a woman in here they kind of made it like oh she's so beautiful it's distracting and we can't talk about this wartimey stuff because this beautiful lady walked into this room and it wasn't necessarily about her being a woman which would have been bad enough it was about her being pretty and I feel like the hyper attention to her prettiness was one of the things that really bugged me about this movie agreed Um, there was a point and it's a little bit later in the movie where they have to sneak into the um, chancellor's ball or something (laughs) like that oh yeah yeah yeah. was it a ball it was like a yeah it was like a Gala. A gala. That's right. A yeah, gala. Yeah, it was a gala. Um, and he's talking to Maru. Steve is talking to Maru. Which, by the way, let me sidetrack just very slightly for a moment. Why do movies have people in other countries speaking to other people from that same country in English? They are German. They should be speaking German in and his, Germany. And his German accent was really bad, oh, too. So oh. bad. How could anyone have thought that he was German? He didn't speak a word of German the entire movie. I don't think anyone spoke a word of German beyond, like, Heil and maybe one other word in that movie. They they were in German ranks, in German offices multiple times, and no one spoke German. I didn't get it. I'm thinking through it. Kate's tracking, <laughs> Kate's tracking back. Somebody can correct me. There might have been a couple of scenes, but the majority of the time where they should have been speaking to each other in German, they weren't, and it really drives me nuts when movies do that. Like, English is not the only language out there, people. I'm really sorry to say. And if you are going to the movies, you can probably read. So just read the subtitles. And if you can't, then ask your neighbor, and they will read them to you. I will always read the subtitles to you. Please, just ask. It just drives me nuts. Let them speak. 
speak in German. Also, they're not gonna say anything that's really gonna affect the movie that much because nine times out of ten, other characters explain the exact same damn thing ten minutes later in the movie. Yeah. All right. The Gala. back to the Gala. So he's talking to Maru at the Gala, and they're starting to have this little, like, flirty thing going on, and Maru's like, ooh, somebody's looking at me. Someone's talking to me. And then Wonder Woman walks in, and he suddenly is just like, zoop, I'm looking at her. Which, by the way, didn't care about fighting when she picked that dress, now did she? All right, so... In my outfit research, I researched, I don't like clothes. So that's why this was, I was like, woo. All right. (laughs) That is also another podcast, Fern. (laughs) Anyway, not that way, Kate. All right, we killed Megan. I'm killing people tonight. I got Zeke, I got Megan. I'm on fire. Um, (laughs) Yes. All right. So the blue dress. Yes. The The blue blue dress. dress. Is not from 1918. No. At all. It's from 1972. Wow. Right? That is a very it different is, time frame. Right? Uh, it is a nod to the original Wonder Woman, uh, Linda Carter. Um, and that is the only reason they use that dress. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, it is not so, it is not from that time period at all. They were just like, oh, we're going to use this. Because one, it's bright blue and everybody else in the room is like in that green. And I think there might have been a couple of like dull reds in there. But yeah, but they used it because it was a nod to Linda, a, li- a dress that Linda Carter wore in the original Wonder Woman. That's really mm-hmm. cool. I felt like, and I'll get back to my point, I promise, but we're going to go on this thread for a minute. I felt like that dress looked very different on the original woman that was wearing it than it did on Gal Gadot. And I don't know if that's because she got rid of the stole. Yeah, because she was wearing was some like, like yeah, a stole sweater, a something thing. It, yeah, but it looked very different on the woman that was wearing it versus on her. And you also, know? what happened to that woman? Right, we never. No, nothing. She's been gone. She's just gone. It's fine. Don't ask about her. Not named, by the way. <laughs> I wonder, though, how much of that is just because we get to see the full dress on Gal Gadot versus just um, torso with rando woman who goes missing. Well, no, you see the whole thing with rando woman because you watch her climb out of the carriage. And they do, like, a front track of her when she climbs out of the carriage. Do they? Because I thought it was, like, if we saw the whole thing, it was a very quick. It might have been. Versus Gal Gadot, it was another use of (laughs) slow-mo. Drink! There's so much slow mo in this. Though I will say that I love the sword in the back of the dress. (laughs) But completely impractical. Let's talk about this in reality. That sword would be between her butt cheeks. Like, where is that sword gonna go? So I hate wearing dresses. Rick bribed me one day for date night that he would buy me a toy version of Wonder Woman's sword if I would wear a dress. (laughs) I have Wonder Woman's sword at home now. That's awesome. I walk around with it in my shirt sometimes just because I can. <laughs> See, I love dresses, which is why I know that that's fucking impractical. Yeah. Like, I wear dresses all the time, and I wear dresses with that style with a really low back because I love showing off my back. So I know that that is completely impractical. Like, there's no place for that sword to go, and it wouldn't have stayed there. No. Like, that thing would have had to fit her closer than a glove for that sword to stay where it was. That being said... That was fucking cool. Yeah. Like, watching that turnaround and her swords just tucked into the back of her dress and you're just like, oh, shit, she gonna get somebody. Yep, <laughs> she gonna take somebody down. All right, but going back to Dr. Maru and her conversation with Steve. So they're sitting there, they're talking, they're starting this little flirtatious thing. She's kind of warming up to him, blah, blah, blah. He turns, he sees Diana, and everything is lost. And she goes, I see your intentions are elsewhere. And just, like, walks off. And it's, like, that classic trope of the villain being, like, I'm not pretty, so I envy pretty, so I'm gonna like sp- 
burn anyone that is pretty or associated with pretty. And I just felt like it was such a dumbing down of her character. Yeah. And not only that, they never went into what was going on with her face. I thought that that was a really cool thing that they could have explored and been like, she turned into Dr. Poison because when she was a kid, her dad abused her and like used poisons on her and like she, her face got all messed up because of it and blah, blah, blah. They never went into it. I'm Is like, that actually what happened? I have no idea. Oh, okay. The canon that I made up in my head because I needed something. I like it. Yeah. I was like, because for me, villains are so much better when they have motives that make them feel human. Like, oh crap, you're doing a really bad thing and that's awful, but also a really bad thing happened to you. So I understand why you got from point A to point B. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was just super frustrated that they kind of dumbed her character down to like, oh, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you looked at the pretty lady and I'm jealous of the it's, pretty lady. It's very much like the Heathers and yes. uh, like high school type. It felt very catty. Yeah. And I think that that is something that like is still used a lot in even in female movies where like they'll be catty towards each other and I'm yeah. like we ladies all need and I, I think this is just a blanket statement that I can apply to myself too we all need to be better about not being catty with each other and not judging each other off of necessarily like what we're wearing and stuff like that I know we've talked a lot about like armor and things in this movie but that's less of us saying like they look bad in that and more of us saying like that's not the best choice that could have been made for this particular movie it's not realistic also yeah also it's not something that you know real people on the street are wearing and we're not critiquing that so like just thinking about that like we all kind of need to rise above this kind of oh, we crap talk, we talked about that the one day about uh, you know you have those thoughts it's your first thought but then you need to step back and then go with your second thought yes. mm -hmm. and not always just go with that split you know thing that you've been the society's been trained into you it's 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 a mantra that I live by your first yeah. thought is whatever society has taught you you should think your second thought is what you actually think and that helps me a lot personally because I struggle with depression and anxiety. So sometimes the first thought that pops into my head is not a nice one, especially to myself. So retraining myself that that first thought is not really my thought. The second thought is my thought and running on that instead is yeah. much better. So speaking about relationships in this movie, let's talk a little bit about what is probably the most important relationship in this entire movie, which we've touched on multiple times through this. Let's talk about Diana and Steve. Yeah. I know. I don't really want to talk about it either because it frustrated me. So when they first meet, she suddenly forgets she's a warrior and hides behind a rock with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, can someone please explain how this makes any sense? Yeah. It like, doesn't. No. Exactly. She spends like, all this time fighting, 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 fighting to be a warrior. I want to be a warrior. I want to fight. I want to fight. And the incident that she gets the opportunity to fight, oh, but my name. She runs. And she's behind a rock. Yeah. I mean, I can understand, like, when he when she first pulls him out of the water and she's like, oh, what is what are you? And, like, touching his face, like, trying to figure him out because she'd never seen a dude before. Dudes have different, you know, facial facial structures, facial structures and, yeah. and stuff. So totally believable there. But then, like, there's that bathhouse scene where he's standing there naked, and she's like, "Are you? What's she say? Are you a typical version of your speed or your, your man, man manless yeah. whatever?" And he's like, "Well, I'm slightly above average or something." Yeah, like they had to put the dick joke in there. Yeah. And then she asks, "What's that?" And he starts looking down at his cock like she's really talking about his penis. Yeah. Also, why? Why do they make that joke and then later have that weird, awkward conversation where she talks about how she's read the Greek version of the Kama 
Kama Sutra yeah. the whole way through. The so all she knows books. everything about the male anatomy. Why the fuck did you make a dick joke then? Like yep. 10 minutes before in the movie. This doesn't make any sense. Like, they want her to be naive until it's important for her not to be naive. It's this trope that a lot of things are brought up with for women where it's like, we want you to be naive about sex until you get in the sack and then you're supposed to know everything. Again, though, this is Steve's story told through the eyes of Wonder Woman. That's why they made the joke because Steve didn't know she'd read those books. He that's didn't true. Know. No, that's so, true. I mean, you're not wrong, but I still feel like it was very ill-placed with... Oh, I'm agreeing. Yeah. That's what I'm know. saying, though. Is but that, I mean, that's kind of where their relationship starts. And then it gets awkward on the boat. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah. The entire boat conversation is literally just to titillate the audience. Yeah. That's it. That is all that that conversation is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey, we cast a really pretty woman in this movie. You want to hear her talk about sex? Yep. That's what that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the really great line of uh, when it comes to procreation, men are essential, but for pleasure, not necessary, is really great. I think it's fun. But then she doesn't take her own advice. But then she doesn't take her own advice. <laughs> and she jumps in the sack with him as soon as he, like, d- shuts the door to her room and turns around, and there they are. And there's no build-up to this, it feels like. It goes from zero to 60. It's like there's the like... first man that she meets, she hops into bed with. Yeah, the boathouse... Or the, the bathhouse, and then the boat. Kate's laughing because it's legitimately the yeah. first man that she's ever met. And her base instinct is to hop into bed with them. This is what screenwriters think that women are like. They really think that if just, you were on an island with all women, you've never pleasured yourself before in your life. There's no possible way because the first time you see a dick, you're gonna ride it. Like, that's it. You broke Kate again. I did. <laughs> I was just trying to think back of like all like the romantic parts of the movie. Right. And you know, there's the bathhouse, the boat, the dance in the street right before the sex scene, the sex scene. And then it just kind of ends until he kills himself. Basically he commits, you know, suicide on the plane. And let's talk about that. Any of those other guys could have gotten on that plane 10 times easier than what it took him to get on that plane. Yeah. Any of them. I mean, I they guess you could argue that he was the pilot and the other three were not. How hard but is it to pick How hard it is it just to go where I'm going this way? Like, yeah. you don't need to fly anywhere, actually. You just need to go away. And also, like, they, they specifically said that the, the gas was made out of hydrogen, which, by the way, Wonder Woman somehow knows about. But she's naive about so many other things in this movie. She's literally the one that's like, he said it was made of hydrogen or something like that. Like, she, oh no, she reads it from the, um, the ancient text or whatever while they're mm-hmm. in the war council room and she totally knows what that means but there's eight million other things in this movie that they have to like hold her hand and walk her through but when it's important for the plot suddenly she's smart anyway they said it's made of hydrogen so you don't even really have to go that far they literally said you blow it up and it will burn up all the gas you literally just have to get far enough away that you're not gonna blow up your buddies you just need to not hindenburg the shit exactly i mean and even then really at the end of the day would that be the worst thing that had ever happened in the world like burn down and not Nazi yeah, base? couple no. hundred people versus millions. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna be that asshole, but I'm gonna be that asshole. Couple hundred is better than millions. Also, like, why didn't he jump out? Like, because he had to shoot the gun to explode it. There are other been, options. I, I, I'm sure that there were, but the way that they decided to like do yeah. that, that was the only he wouldn't have been able to get out of the ship in time. What happened to his lighter? He had That's a, a lighter. Oh, he, he did, did have a lighter. lighter. It was a big deal that he had a fucking lighter. What happened to it? Oh, they could have had Charlie shoot the plane. They mm-hmm. could have had Charlie shoot the damn plane, but Charlie never shoots the entire movie. He's the sniper. 
shoots. He never shoots. But he's a sniper. He doesn't shoot at all? I thought he shoot. No, he no. never shoots the entire movie. He uses the scope on his rifle to look at things. That's his it's, whole point. Remember the whole thing is that yeah, he yeah, yeah, was, yeah. wasn't able to because But I thought of... he shot something else. No. 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 Never, never once. That would have been the perfect way to like, give like, him, like round off that story or give any kind of character development, period, end of story, to him. To him. And no. Huh. Nope. Never nope. done. Not See, once. now I'm thinking back. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, he never shoots. Mm. Never shoots. Not I noticed once. that. And I was huh. just like, why? Is he, why are we paying him then? Like, even if you think about it from a plot perspective of the movie, like, oh, this is just my good buddy. Uh, so I'm going to take him into insurmountable danger knowing that he can't do anything because he might maybe get a payday. But he specifically says that they're not going to get paid for this job. So what was the point of bringing him? Yeah. What was the point? So we could call Wonder Woman We Last the whole time. So talking about pleasure not being able to be derived from a man, you would think that this would be the perfect story to have LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus characters in it. Does it? Nope. Ugh. <sighs> Okay, so there's the one scene where Ant- Antipi? Antiope. Antiope. Antiope, thank you. I can't you. Ever say her name. I know. Uh, where she gets shot, right? And Wonder Woman's like, ah, ah. And then there's that one random Amazonian that comes running through, obviously very distraught. Distraught and stricken that she has went down. And I was like, oh, well, maybe they're lovers. But it's never actually said. <laughs> and also, it's an island full of women. Like, and if they don't think men are, are necessary for pleasure, there's some stuff going on. But they never actually say anything about it. It's never actually said. Well, yeah, it's, it's just it, it glossed over. And yeah. It's so weird. The thing is, I don't even feel like that it's implied anywhere in the movie, but it's implied by social conscience, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like, people have just, like, pasted that onto Themyscira, even though the movie and I'm pretty sure the Wonder Woman lore never really discussed it. Probably not. But honestly, I would have preferred for them to outright come and say, like, we don't need men. We know how to pleasure ourselves and pleasure each other. What the fuck would we need a man for? Yeah. But they did. Really a missed opportunity for LGBT characters. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get some people of color in this movie. We do. We get actually um, quite a few people of color yeah. in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, random Amazonian women mm-hmm. in the yes. background. Well, I mean, uh, Gal Gadot herself is... Israeli. Israeli. I believe. I yes. believe that she was Israeli and in... Was um, Israeli? Was in the Israeli army is what I was trying to say. Oh, um, okay. And so that's where a lot of her fighting style came from. Because she Israeli already knew, like, Krav Maga and the yeah. real life how to kill people with your thumb and stuff. So, like, she actually is a total and complete badass. Also, That's cool. she shot most of this movie while pregnant. True that. No. Yes, she yes. did. That? Yes. yes. She's Good a for badass. her. That's awesome. She as a, like, person is a badass. No, that makes me happy. this movie, not so great. So, I was surprised by the different types of representation to you. Sammy, you have Chief, um, not really a person of color, but you've also got the other guy. Charlie. Sharpshooter Charlie, thank you. Mm-hmm. Not a person of color, but another ethnicity or another nationality going on. Well, and one that is technically a minority in the area that they're shooting in. Yes. he's Irish. Yeah, and in 1918, it was... A big deal. It it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that is... 
no, his skin is not a different color, but yes, he is a minority in England yeah. in 1918. So I, I thought that that is one of the, the things that this movie did really well. And they were pretty similarly represented. Like, obviously, no one can be Diana. No one can be Wonder Woman. There's only going to be one Wonder Woman in the story. And there's only going to be one Steve in this story because there's only going to be one love interest because we're not that progressive yet. But I felt like for supporting characters, yeah. they were pretty well portrayed. So I think that this movie did a pretty good job portraying people of color and people of minorities, except for women, which was weird in a movie about a female superhero. Yeah, yeah. A little strange. Details. So that's wrapping up Wonder Woman. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to go over to some friends in our podcast network. You're going to hear a little spot from them. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Captain Marvel. Whoop, whoop. Hey, Mike. Yeah, Zeke. I got a question. Sure. How many cat women actresses were there on the Adam West Batman TV show? Uh, there's three. Okay. And how many Superman movies have there been? Well, there was the four originals in the 80s, and then, then there was the Brandon Routh one, and then there's the two of the current Superverse that we're doing. Okay. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, Zeke. What's a good podcast where I can find a lot of answers to these questions that I have? That answer I know real easy. That's Geek Through Time. Join me and Zeke as we each week go through a different topic, go through the timeline and talk about all the things that will lead us to where we are today. So join us at Geek Through Time. on Wonder Woman. I think we've gotten all of our thoughts and feelings out, or as much as I think we possibly can. So now we're going to move on to Captain Marvel. I'm going to give a brief uh, backstory here of the movie uh, in general. So as of May 9th, 2019, which is when I did research for this, Captain Marvel had grossed $412,964,079 in the U.S. It was directed by a team consisting of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who had worked together on projects previously. And the movie was a rousing success from the onset. Interestingly, both directors were also involved in the story and screenplay process, as well as Nicole Perlman, a Marvel alum, Meg Lafarve, I think is how you say her name. And this one I'm going to butcher, Geneva Robertson Deverett, I think. Uh, main actress was Brie Larson, and she really shined in her role as the original Avenger. So let's jump in with both feet here, ladies. We started off talking about Wonder Woman, talking about named characters. And I do have to say, there are the exact same number of named characters in both movies. Yep. The difference is, we do not start Captain Marvel on an island of all women. True. Correct. Just throwing that out there. Well, and I think all the named characters have bigger parts to play than some of the named characters in Wonder Woman. Oh, I definitely oh, yeah. agree with that. Because I'm so. looking at my list here. So the name, named women we have are obviously Carol Danvers, who is the Captain Marvel main, you know, woman in the movie. Uh, the woman on the strike force in the begin beginning of the movie, and then you see her again later. I believe her name is Minerva. Yes. Thank you. Who? It'd Minerva? Be, it actually would be Minerva. Then, right. Not Minerva, all one word. It'd be Min and then Irva. Irva, technically. Technically. The girl, the, um, the, Kree the sniper. So the Cree soldier. Not Cree. No. Yes, Cree. The blue. Yes. Yes. The blue. Yes, Cree. Yes. 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 What is the other one? Scroll. 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 Thank you. The other one. Yes. There's Dr. Lawson, uh, who plays a very big role in the movie despite being dead. Yeah. Uh, there's Maria Rambo, who mm -hmm. is Captain Marvel's um, best friend. And there is Monica, uh, Maria's daughter, who is Captain Trouble. No. 
Lieutenant Trouble. Lieutenant Trouble, I'm sorry. Oh, I was so excited about it. Don't rank her up yet. She's not prepared. I'm sorry. I know nothing about military rank. <laughs> nothing. I think that all of the the named female characters in this movie, except for Min Erba, but she still gets her own name. She's and she's not just unnamed soldier number five. Have really big parts in the movie. Like yeah. parts that make sense for the plot, move the plot along aren't connected in any way, shape, or form to a man, which I think was the most refreshing thing about this movie, is there is no male love interest. Yeah. There is no love story. The it's only so amazing. The only love in the whole movie is a platonic and familial love. There is no, like, romantic love in any of it. And it is. It's it's really nice mm. to have that. And I love that you point out that it's platonic and familial, it's not just, oh, we're friends. It's, we're family. We've chosen each other to be family. And I think that's something that people nowadays grapple with, especially when we're getting into this era. And I think this happens in every generation, but I think it's more poignant in this generation when we're in this era of my family doesn't agree with me because of my, you know, sexuality or my lifestyle choices or my choice in partner or on and on and on and on. But you grapple with this idea of having a family and I really liked seeing this representation of friends as family because I mm-hmm. think that's something that we've all built is mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a chosen family of our friends. And we all really hold that very dear. So I really liked this this example of like chosen family and, and that being okay and enough and good. Yeah, in this movie. definitely. There were so few male presences in this movie despite there being a lot of men in the cast. Yeah. Like, I so, didn't feel like it was a, a force. Right. In the so, movie. like, yeah. So, Nick Fury obviously made a big impact in the movie. Oh, yes. But he, his story arc, and we're going to jump ahead to story arc, I guess. His story arc supported her story arc, not the other way around. Right. So, his origin story was built in the shadow of her story arc, which is usually flip-flop for the male and female character. So it was really nice to see that where, you know, we've got to find out why he lost his eye, but it wasn't the main focus. I agree. I thought it was really interesting to see Nick Fury's origin story built into Captain Marvel. Whereas you're right. Like think about um, Ant-Man and Wasp. Yep. It's the same thing, but it's Ant-Man's story with Wasp's origin story just built into it. Yeah. And this is the opposite of that. It's Captain Marvel's story with Nick Fury's origin story built into it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool to see. It was see. really nice. Also, I like Nick Fury as a character, so it was yeah. really cool to see his origin story. I thought that was very neat. I remember sitting in the theater and watching it and being like, oh, I'm 100% here for the Captain Marvel Nick Fury buddy cop drama. Yes! Yes! Yep. 100% so here for this. Well, and then watching interviews and such, come to find out that uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson are actually super tight friends. Oh, like, really? From other from other things, they've worked on other things together, yeah. and so they like text all the time and hang out and like, yeah. And it, I was just like, I was watching it, and I was like, you're not gonna cry because I was so happy. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. So, like, when I was looking at this and, and I was thinking about story arcs not supporting a man and conversations that are not about men and blah blah blah. I couldn't find anything to say except for, like, yes and no, because the, the the male presences in these stories were just not male presences that we're used to seeing. 
We're used to seeing a male presence, and it is a male presence. You know he is there. You know his story. You know his story arc. But when you think about Captain Marvel versus thinking about Wonder Woman, when you think about Wonder Woman, you think about Wonder Woman first, and then you immediately think about Steve and Charlie and Sammy and all these other male characters that kind of orbited around her. When you think about Captain Marvel, you think about Captain Marvel, and then you think about Maria, and then you think about Monica, and then you start to think about, well, like, oh, yeah, Nick Fury oh, was in that. Phil mm-hmm. Coulson was in that. That kind of thing. I just didn't think that those presences were as impactful in this movie as I feel like other movies make those kind of presences really upfront. I think the only one I disagree with, though, is the guy, yeah, the guy that was her trainer. What was his name? Oh, fuck him. Uh, it's wow, Jude Law's character, right? Right. Fuck was his but name? So- but the fact that we can't we remember. can't remember we right. can't remember he was right. a major point in that whole movie and we can't remember his name John yes. Ron John Ron thank you it's also no, a weird name it is a weird name I think it's more that than the actual <laughs> the weirdness no but but, like, but I mean you, if you watch other movies and you go okay and you start naming characters there's a lot of times where you're like oh yeah there was these girls in it but I don't remember their names and now we're here sitting going. Right. Oh, there was this good that guy, and he was one of yeah. the main guys, and we right. still can't. We're all like, we had no, no idea, idea what yeah. his name nothing, was. right? Which is cool, not even a guess. However, when he's on screen, he does have that classic feeling of a, of but a male the, presence. The, which what I'm about to say, what you guys are probably thinking, which I think is so cool because he's also the villain, and Captain Marvel spends the entire time basically combating him and i loved it no go ahead okay it's very intentional i right. felt like he was he was the one male presence that was very intentionally left intentionally super stereotypically masculine and big and if you noticed he did a lot of gaslighting in this oh, movie. oh so much watching this from this so watching it the second time and listening to some of the dialogue oh, i'm like Wow, what a manipulative asshole! Yeah. Oh yeah, when they're when they're sparring in the very beginning, I'm like, oh my goodness! Yes. Yes. And the stereotypical thought processes of like women's emotions get out of control yes. and mean that they can't do anything. So you have to keep your emotions in check. This is what we ladies deal with on a daily basis. A daily basis, we're told to keep our emotions in check because we don't want to take up too much space. We don't want to be too big. We don't want to get in trouble. That kind of thing. The word hysteria comes from this concept. It was a medical condition that was entirely based around a woman who would not submit or who had any form of bigger than quote unquote average or normal emotional reaction to anything. It was immediately she's, oh no, she has hysteria, you know, and people were sent to actual psych wards for it. And, like, there was actual, like, medical help for it. I'm doing air quotes for those of you yeah, who can see me. Yeah, the medical help was a fucking vibrator. Right? Legitimately, <laughs> this is how the vibrator was created. True that. There's a whole movie about it. It's actually really good. I need to watch it. I forget what it's Zeke called. Zeke looks very confused right now for anyone who can... Did Literally, you not notice? 100% true. That is why the vibrator was created. Yes. Because the therapy for hysteria was to manually stimulate sex on female patients with hysteria and doctors hands were getting too tired so a doctor created the vibrator in order to make his hands not be too tired while he was sexually stimulating patients with hysteria it's wrong on so many levels again back to wonder woman (laughs) men are necessary to procreation but not for pleasure yeah and we 
we've killed Zeke again! <laughs> basically, I do think that's... I think it was... I agree. But I love that that was what it was um, yeah. basically drawing to, was that whole concept of, here's this concept, this historical concept of hysteria. We're going to use that as, like, this whole gaslighting thing with Yon mm. uh, Rob, or whatever the fuck his name Jan, was. Yon Rob. Yon Rob. Yon Rob. Yon Rob. Yon Rob. But he didn't die in a plane, dude. (laughs) He didn't die, but she did send him off in a... Valid. Coming from the perspective of a woman who's been in an abusive relationship, watching this was honestly kind of hard because it it mimicked very similarly things that I heard when I was in that relationship. So this movie was very empowering to me for reasons that didn't have anything to do with just like necessarily being a feminist or being a woman. It also had to do with coming from that perspective of someone who was in that kind of relationship and watching someone evolve through that Mm -hmm. and getting out the other end and realizing that like not only are they still worth something, but their worth didn't need to be proven. Like, that's not something they had to prove. And I think for for me, watching that coming with that background, that was so freeing to see that on screen. And unfortunately, that type of relationship that you went through, a lot of women go through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's unfortunate. And, and not to say that, like, guys don't go through it either, but there's a disproportionate more females go through it than males. Mm-hmm. And um, to be able to show that on screen and you be able to pull those types of feelings from that, I think is amazing. And it speaks to the story and the acting and just the movie as in a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree with that. I'm having such a hard time tracking this in our notes because it is... Oh, uh, we're just jumping all over. Yeah, well, and it is just so very yes and no. This movie, I feel like, pretty um, much answered everything the way that we wanted it to be answered. So it was really hard well, okay, to kind so of make... Sexy lamp. Nobody could do a sexy lamp, I don't think. No, I agree with you. 100%. Mm-hmm. And not only that... Let's talk for a minute about the armor itself. Because we talked a little bit about what yes, Woman outfits. and the Armor tries it. So let's talk about well, outfits. There's a good place we can go. First, no sexy lamp. Coulson could be a sexy lamp. Mm. Yeah. It was a bad joke. Anyways, back to the outfits. <laughs> Coulson is very nice. I love Coulson. Zeke has a thought. Would you consider uh, when the scrolls first arrived when they mimicked into the female server? Yeah. Okay. I think that that was done. So Zeke was asking us when the when the scrolls first arrived, one of the guys took on the visage of a female server. First off, it was fucking cool that it was a female server. Let's just throw that out there. Uh, but also, I think it was done more for the not necessarily laugh factor, but the the gender dynamic of kind of like showing scrolls don't adhere to gender normativity the way that humans do. So you're not necessarily going to have a male scroll have a male body be able to track it that way. I think they were kind of trying to point out the fluidity of the scrolls and how it could be anybody. And also, don't, you're not necessarily looking for a one-to-one. That female surfer was not wearing a bikini. No, she was wearing an actual wetsuit. She was wearing a long sleeve wetsuit shirt and like boy shorts. Yeah. Bottoms. Yeah. Which she was not a in a bikini. <laughs> which is, if you're going surfing, you're going to wear that. Yeah. So I think it was okay. Yeah. yeah. Also, the, ugh, I love the scrolls. Sorry. So I cool. love the scrolls so much. It, it's because of runaways and a whole different thing. Uh, but the idea of gender fluidity that they kind of brought up, I, they didn't hit LGBTQ in this movie. I know that there are some people that think there's hints of it and things like that. There's no express thing given. I think that the closest thing that they come to expressing is this, is the gender mm-hmm. fluidity of the scrolls and this kind of thought that gender isn't black and white. 
And yeah. that you don't have to present as female to feel female. You don't have to present as male to feel male. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I also just love the scrolls. Talking about weird, random, background scene people's outfits. So there is a fight on the train. Yeah. So we're, kind, we're kind of going in movie order here because he yeah. takes the, the thing of the, the surfer on the um, beach and then they go and they're going through and then they end up on this train and they're fighting Carol Danvers and one of the scrolls. And at one point they take on the the visage of like this this granny, this like old lady. It was oh, so great. Also so we, good. We flew right past the Stan Lee cameo in this and oh my God, was that amazing. It was As someone who loves Kevin Smith films, that was like so heartwarming to see. Also it was the last Stan Lee cameo done mm-hmm. right before he passed away. May he rest in peace. He was a genius. Um, True that. Yeah. But anyway, so she's on this fight. She's doing this fight with this granny. And there's a point where this, like, little old lady does this, like, roundhouse kick. And I noticed this only because we had watched, I watched, or I was going to watch Wonder Woman. And I remembered from Wonder Woman there were certain scenes where they would do flips and you'd flat out see their underwear. And I was just like, eh. They intentionally draped her skirt between her legs so you could see nothing when she did that flip during that fight. And, like, you could tell it was intentional, too. Like, they made sure that that happened. And I was just like, this is awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. you are making a fight scene and you are intentionally making it so that there's not something stupid like that that draws your gaze away from the fight scene. Because a lot of times that'll happen. You'll you'll be in the middle of a fight scene and someone in a skirt will do a flip and you'll see underwear and then everything is lost because, oh my god, panties! I thought that was really, really cool. We've talked about background characters. Let's talk about Captain Marvel. Her armor was amazing. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. Everything that needed to be covered. You still saw that she was a woman. Like, we didn't hide her boobs. We didn't make it this big boxy thing so that we were pretending she wasn't a woman. But it wasn't like... Uh, like a lot of the cat, the Wonder Woman armor where it was just like boobs and everything was like suction cupped around these boobs so it looked like they were vacuum formed on. I'm making a lot of motions that are apparently like killing Kate. No, I agree. <laughs> I also like she was she had boots on. Like it, this armor made sense. Combat boots, boots too, without heels. Yes, uh-huh. they weren't. <laughs> the heels. heels drive me nuts. I know. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a fun little, and I didn't realize this, my husband Zach told me this after we left the theater, the scene where um, Monica is changing all of the out, the colors on her outfit, yes. those are different outfits that she's worn throughout the comics. <gasps> really? The that she's oh, even, so the, cool. even the neon one? The neon one. And That's beautiful. Yes. I love it. Yeah. So, and I thought- I didn't know that. I will say the one thing about this movie that does drive me a little bit nuts, and this is going to get a little political, so I apologize to everyone in advance, is how pro-military this movie is. <sighs> That's the only thing for me that kind of was just like, we didn't quite need to go there. But I don't think that they made it the main focal point of the movie, so I could at least be okay with it. But the whole, like, why don't we wear the same colors? And I realized it was a NASA shirt and blah, blah, blah. But I, it was still... Uh, it was, uh, it was wasn't Air Force. NASA. It was uh, U.S. Was, Air Force. Was it, was it US the Air Force? Air Force? I yeah. thought it was NASA. It was USAF. So. Okay, so then, yeah, it's still Air Force. So I thought that was a little too... But, I mean, that made sense because that's where she got her training. Yeah, so. and, and exactly. Like I said, this is just me... It's my political-mindedness that is bleeding yeah. over into my thought processes about the movie. But I noticed there were a lot of parallels between Captain Marvel and Captain America as well. Um, I think that was intentional. Exactly. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, like, also, even as simple as, like, 
why don't we wear the same colors? Well, she doesn't know Steve Rogers, but by doing that with Monica, that effectively does the same thing with Steve Rogers Mm -hmm. and lets them sync up as a team as well, because there are certain aspects about her story that are very like, well, I can do this all day, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. concept, you know? And it's just like, I love Captain America. Like that is my, one of my favorite superheroes. And then, so like to see all those parallels between the two of them was so cool and gratifying. And like, I knew nothing about her going into this movie, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was a really neat thing. Like, Oh, oh, sweet! Awesome! (laughs) Like, you know, it was really good. I thought those parallels were really interesting because it was setting up this dynamic of this question that isn't really a question, but it's an interesting thing to, like, like tease out of who is the first Avenger. Is it Carol Danvers who gave Fury this idea and, you know, cultivated this whole culture of superheroes and this thought process? Or was it Steve Rogers, who was the actual first Avenger and the first one pulled into the team and the first one that was kind of, quote-unquote, created for this? And I think that's why they drew those parallels, Mm -hmm. because they kind of wanted you to have that same thought process. And I thought that it was very smart to have those parallels without directly piggybacking off of Captain America. Mm -hmm. They were like, we're going to stay on this same train so it feels familiar to you, but we're not going to include this male character because this doesn't need to be about him. This needs to be about her. Yeah, they could have easily been, like, talked about it. Like, Fury could have said something about it, but he never did, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, It was never brought up at all, yeah. Outfits. Yeah, we were talking about outfits. I I think we covered it. Like, well... Oh, what do you want to say? The motorcycle scene. When she goes to steal the motorcycle. And first off, the dude is like, hey, you got a smile for me? And I'm like, oh, 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 punch him, punch him. I was like, oh, take him out. Do it, do it, do it. But then she steals his motorcycle, which is just as satisfying. But there's like mannequins. There's like four or five mannequins there with different outfits. And there's like a couple of sundresses and like something else. And then there's the 80s grunge look. And that's the one she chooses. The Nine Inch Nails t-shirt with the whole, mm. the jeans with the holes and, and the, the flannel and the the uh, leather jacket, the baseball cap. Like, I'm like, yes. A girl and, after my heart. I know. And she looked amazing and comfortable. Like, yes. she wasn't trying too hard. It wasn't about being pretty. It wasn't about being not pretty. Like, the aesthetics of it were not a thing. It was, how do I blend in? How do I be comfortable? How do I move around? And that is what she chose for those things. And I think that that was so good. Also, have you guys seen the extended scene of that? No. No. There is an extended scene version. In the extended scene version, their little conversation goes a lot longer. And she breaks his wrist. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. My girl. Uh, Obviously, it was cut from the movie because the movie had already gotten a lot of backlash because Brie Larson flat out said, if you're a straight white male, I don't really care if you see my movie or not, which a lot of people were kind of pissed off about. Aw, did someone's feelings get hurt? Exactly. Um, (laughs) So sad. I don't know if that was the direct quote, but it was definitely something Something like that. Very similar to that. So please don't get mad at me if that's not exactly what she said. But it was definitely something to that effect. It was something like, if that's your, if you are that person, I don't need your opinion. I don't care if you go see my movie. So there were a lot of people that chose not to go see the movie because of that. I, I agree with you. I so enjoyed that scene. And again, it was one of those things. And the thing, oh my God, I, I totally forgot about this until just now. So do you guys remember when the first poster 
for Captain Marvel came out, and she's not smiling in the poster. Yes. And mm-hmm. someone photoshopped her smiling in the poster because they said she looked prettier and it would look better if she was smiling. So as a retort, a bunch of people photoshopped all the male superheroes smiling in their posters. And then it was hilarious. everyone got pissed. Like all of these people who were upset about this movie in the first place got pissed because of this scene in the movie where the guy says, hey, go smile for me. Because they thought that it was a direct comment on that phenomenon that had happened. And what they didn't realize is that scene was shot and edited way before that poster yeah. came out. So it just goes to show you how common this fucking thing is. I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely been told this before. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100% have been told by a man, you look prettier if you smile, or have a smile for me, or can't you just smile? Or yeah, what's wrong? Can't you give me a smile or something like that? Yeah, I was like, mm, and no. it's such a, <laughs> it is such a universal female experience mm-hmm. to have this happen. And that's fucking sad. But also to see it in a movie was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And to watch her actually take Do take, no harm. Yes. But do no take harm, no but shit. take no shit. She was like, I'm not going to fucking engage with you on this. Yeah, she had like a map and she like peeked over at him and was like, mm. and then went back to the map and then stole this motorcycle. Right, but then, yes, I guess a little bit of harm done. Yeah, he was fine. It's for the greater good. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that like watching somebody actually like get revenge for that was just so, it just warmed my cold little heart. (laughs) And Megan's heart grew three sizes that day. It did! Like the Grinch and Captain Marvel opened up my whole world. Yes. Uh, But while we're on the topic of costumes uh, and and that kind of thing, the one thing about this movie that did drive me a little crazy, and this is uh, for people who don't know me, which is probably going to be a lot of the people listening to the podcast, I'm a woman who generally has short hair. Right now I'm growing it out for reasons that are not important, but it's much shorter still than most women wear their hair. And finding representation in movies and film and media is ridiculous. Women almost always have long hair. At least shoulder length, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Almost always. So Captain Marvel in the comics has very short hair. And I love it. It's in the current comics. I know that there have been previous iterations where she's had longer hair. And this is the iteration that they chose and blah, blah, blah. But it was really sad. I really would have loved them to do the short hair. And then they cut it for Endgame and it made me so happy. <laughs> but watching this whole movie, I was just like, what the better if they cut her hair? But that's just a me thing because, again, it's one of those things that you don't see very often. Yeah. And I was super excited about it because I was like, yay, finally a character that's going to have short hair and, like, be like me. And, you know, as a white lady, like, I haven't had a hundred characters that look like me. <laughs> you know, I'm speaking from yeah. a place of privilege. I realize that. But also, like, it would have been nice. And I do appreciate that they did do it later. But yeah. I do want to point out that, like, she does have short hair in the comics. And I really liked it in the movie. It would been really cool. Anyway, moving on from that, why don't we talk? Again, this is so hard. Well, it's hard because, like, the next question is, does the female character see action? Fuck yeah, she does. The entire movie? The whole goddamn thing. Actually, let's talk about this a little bit because I think that this leads into a very interesting character development for her. So let's talk about her and how she evolves with seeing action in the movie. So the beginning of the movie she has is fighting um, Jan Rog. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> Let's just call Steve. Um, she's fighting with him and he's telling her all these things about you have to keep your emotions in check and blah 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 blah. And we go through the movies and we get all these flashbacks 
of her old life. <gasps> and what it. you realize, at first you're like, it's all these flashbacks of her failing at things. And you're like, man, this really sucks. All she's done her whole life is fail. And maybe he's right. And maybe she's too emotional. And like, maybe this is just going to be another one of those movies where as soon as she gets control of her emotions, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the scene where she is, they, they've all been captured. You think everything's gone horribly wrong. And she's in with... The Supreme um, Intelligence. Thank you. The Supreme Intelligence. She's in with the Supreme Intelligence. And she finally realizes that... It's not getting knocked down. It's not getting knocked down. It's getting back, back up. And you get the oh. montage of all the times she's failed and got back up. And the thing that I really appreciated about her that was a night and day from Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was bored the best. She was just naturally gifted. She was just the best. And her mom made sure she had the best training. She was just going to be the best. And that was just it. Captain Marvel had to fucking work for it. And you watched her work for it. And all of those things. And you watched her get back up. And by the end of it, she didn't have shit to prove to anybody. Because at the end, he tries to gaslight her into this final fight. Don't use your powers because then you can prove to me that blah, blah, blah. And she just, whoa. Blast him. Blast him. Blast him. I have nothing to prove to you. Nothing to prove. And I don't know about you ladies, but Mm. that felt so good. Yes. Felt so good. I think I cheered in theater. I did cheer in theater. It was me and some random guy. That's all that was in the theater. Me and some random guy. And I was like, hell yeah. And he looks back and goes, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) yeah, bud. I watch see so when we when I rewatched it we watched it with the kids again mm-hmm. and like the my my kids were just like yeah like I'm like yes that scene I think that so the scene where she gets out of the supreme intelligence and then she stands up and uh, no doubts song <gasps> starts playing oh, um, in the background I'm just girl. a girl yes, that is one of my favorite me. fight scenes I have had yes. this song Whole stuck movie. in my head for weeks because of this movie yes. but it's so good. I don't think that it is possible not to get amped when you watch that scene. Right. I fucking, like, tingle. I get goosebumps. I, like, sit up, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like, you are just so into it because, like, that is the point where she realizes, like, I don't have to control my emotions. I don't have to do shit for you. I don't have to do shit for anybody else. I'm me. I get the fuck back up, and I get it the fuck up. Yep. And it's amazing. Which is a huge contrast to Wonder Woman's I believe in love statement. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> yeah. So right. Like it's night and day. It's the I don't I have nothing to prove to you versus I believe in love. And that when I was writing out my notes for this and I was watching these movies, that was the contrast and those were the things that were sticking out to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love Captain Marvel. <laughs> no, I, I really... As women, we have love shoved down our throat so often. And it's so annoying. And it's just like this constant feeling of, okay, you're only good if you have someone who loves you. But then you answer that with the Captain Marvel thing of, you know, no, I have nothing to prove to you, you know. And it's just, it was so freeing to see that, you know. And I think that's part of why it's like, okay, Wonder Woman did okay. But then Captain Marvel was like, oh, but here. Yeah, we can do it. Here, we let's can do actually this. do it. Yeah. So surprise, surprise, I was listening to a podcast. You? <laughs> Me. I was listening to a podcast. Um, and they were interviewing. Oh, God. Okay. Podcast is called The Cut on Tuesdays. It was their most recent episode. Really freaking good. They were interviewing someone whose name I can't remember. And I'm very sorry that I can't remember it. But she was talking about how most recent at recording. Most recent at recording. Because this Today will come out in September a month. 11th. They were interviewing a woman who had written a book about being single in politics. 
and how no. that that is just not a thing. And she was kind of talking about, like, the reason she decided to write this book is after she met her husband, even though she was in her 30s, everyone started to suddenly act like her life was just beginning. Because suddenly she had a man and she was getting married and she was settling down and she had fallen in love and blah, blah, blah. And so suddenly that was the beginning of her life. And I think I was having a conversation with somebody about this. Oh, it was another friend of mine. Um, we were talking about how she had a friend who got married right out of high school, even though she didn't really know if she was in love with this guy or not. And we were commenting about how a, we feel like a lot of young women do this because they think, well, if I don't know where I'm going in my life, that's okay as long as I'm married. Because then that is something like a, a grown-up does. Like that is when your grown-up life starts, is when you get married and when you, you know, so you start that life with somebody. So I agree, it was so cool to see an entire show about, or movie, about a badass woman who had no man, didn't need no man, didn't want no man, and period, end of story. Like, it was never even hinted at. I think at the very beginning, you kind of got this flicker of maybe her and yon Rog, but it was very quickly gone. Yeah. It was the first, like, scene where she wakes up and she's at his... His door. His door. And you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those movies. And then it was. And you were like, oh, and you didn't miss it. I didn't miss it. Oh, I didn't miss it at all. Yeah. At all. It was really nice. So that leads us into the the proactive or reactive. And I think that scene right there is a really good example of she is just fucking proactive as shit. Like, she goes out, and even during those times where she doesn't have her quote-unquote full power, she goes out and does stuff for herself. Yeah. I don't know. I think that at the beginning of the movie, she actually is more reactive. And then she turns kind of proactive as she learns who she is and that she doesn't need to. Like, her at the end is absolutely a proactive character. I'm going to take care of business. But at the very beginning, most of what drives her is proving to Yanrod that she's worthwhile. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if she's necessarily trying to prove it to Yanrod. I think she's trying to prove it to herself. And Yanrog is kind of a well a, a stand-in for that. Because even during she... training and stuff, she's constantly like, I don't need, you know, to be better than you and blah, blah, blah. And I realize that it's like a sarcastic shield almost that she's putting up because she's feeling vulnerable and whatever. But I never really felt like she was necessarily seeking his approval. Uh, I think she was, though, because he, he, how long, she she was there for, what, six years? Was Mm -hmm. it six years? I think he had enough time to manipulate her into thinking. I think she broke through that quicker because when she got her memories back, she realized uh, who she was truly. But I think in the beginning, she was definitely trying to prove herself to him and to the Supreme Intelligence, which for her was Dr. Lawson. Mm -hmm. But as they say in the movie, it's, it's... whoever, you know, you're most drawn to or whatever. It's whoever, uh, like, holding the highest esteem. Or, or something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think she was in the very beginning. So stereotypical. Do we think any of these characters fall into the stereotypical category? Motorcycle dude? Motorcycle dude definitely does. Was a stereotypical mm-hmm. character. Uh, and then... yan Ra. yan Ra. You prove to me you have no emotions. <laughs> but uh I don't think any of the female characters fall mm-hmm. into any of the stereotypes. No. Like even Maria Rambo was a pilot. A pilot. She was mm-hmm. a, a military pilot and a single mother. Yes. And raising an amazing child. And a person of color. And a person of color. And she had that awesome 
fight scene where she's flying the plane and she like flips around the canyon and just destroys the other ship. Crazy Holy Ivan! Fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, crazy she pulls Ivan. a crazy Ivan. Crazy, crazy Ivan. Um, Zeke, you are not on this podcast. I know, I just want to add this because it's really cool. Um, the daughter was actually in the comics the second Captain Marvel. How cool! That's so cool. Yeah, and one of the outfits that she's choosing on Carol's costume represents her, her costume in the series. That's cool. That's I Super love that. That's cool. See, it was a good fact that I wanted to make. It was a good fact. Just, <laughs> we need to make a little thing that says <laughs> Zeke facts. Zeke, Zeke facts. <laughs> and then it's just Zeke telling us a fact, and then we go right back to it. Yes. Yes. Zeke facts. Yeah, I, I think they did a very good job of staying away from stereotypical characters. I will say there is a slight stereotypical interaction, but then they kind of turn it on its head between um, Min Irva and Carol when they're in the final fight scene and they're talking about, like, is that why we never hung out? And she goes, no, I just didn't like you. And it's like, you think it's going to be this stereotypical catty thing, but then it turns out like, no, I just don't fucking like you. Yeah. Like, So I thought that was kind of cool. We talked about LGBTQ. People of color, it's got people of color. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, at one point, Carol is in Maria's house and it's Maria and Monica and Nick Fury and then some aliens. She's the only white lady. She is the only white person sitting there. And I was like, this is nice. This is nice to see. That, you know, people are represented. And that was yeah. that was nice. Yeah. And the people of color were very much not stereotypical. No. In, no. In a very intentional kind of way. Well, you know, yeah. Nick Fury's the boss. Yeah. Um, Monica was amazing. I just... And, and Maria was an amazing character. Mm-hmm. I love both of them. Yeah. They just did such a good job. Like, it's so hard to discuss this movie beyond just gushing about how much we love it because... Well, is there it anything really that... really did such a good job. Is there anything we didn't like... I mean, you said the one thing, but... Yeah. For me, that was really one of the... There were two things that I didn't like, and it was the hair and the military presence, and really that was about it. I felt like everything else, they did really, really well. I will say later iterations of Captain Marvel, uh, aka in Endgame, I didn't like as much. I felt like they used her a lot as deus ex machina in that movie, so instead of being an integral part of the team, she was more just a savior-ass kind of character. Yeah. It, it was kind of like, oh, we crap, we overpowered her, and now we don't know what to do with her. Yeah. So I'm excited to see her come back in her own movie again, because I think that's really where she's going to shine. I don't mm-hmm. think she's going to shine on the team as much, which is kind of disheartening. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to say no to more movies like this with soundtracks like this and costumes like this and fight scenes oh, like this. And the soundtrack was great. It was so oh. good. <laughs> it's my childhood all over again. I listened yeah. to it on the way into work to pump up for a day. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she crash landed a blockbuster too and took yes. out the... So good. And shot the True Lies And the Radio thing, Shack. And, oh, the Radio Shack. Oh, and. So that's so good. <laughs> so, uh, the last thing on our list here is disabilities. Nick Fury? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Kind of. No, uh, not really. Not really. Not I don't really. think this is one of the things that they don't do. I mean, and then in Wonder Woman, you have uh, Dr. Poison with the missing part of her face that you can kind of say is a disability. Um, I, I think that would count. Charlie's PTSD would count for Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Incredibly mm-hmm. debilitating PTSD. Yeah. 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 Didn't think about that. They, I will say Wonder Woman does do a good job of, of lots of different kind of character representation. Yeah. Just not a great job of developing all of those characters yeah. that they've decided to represent. 
Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel kind of missed the mark a little bit on this one, but they did such a good job with a lot of other things. Well, um, and the thing is, too, is when you're writing a story, sometimes there's just not room for, for some types of characters. Yeah. And as unfortunate as that is, you, you can't take the millions of different types of people there are and try and cram them all in a movie. Or you get something like Wonder Woman where you don't get to see the character developments. You're just like, oh, here they are, and you put, plug them in. And I think it's much harder so, with a movie than it is with a like, TV show. Because right. in a TV show, you can go to different places, and you have lots of different episodes, and so you can introduce more people. Yeah. Whereas in a movie, it's kind of like, oh, well. Yeah, and especially like an action movie, it's not... It, yeah. It's a little harder to do it, that type of thing. It would have been nice to at least seen like, on the train platform... Or, you know, something to represent, like, oh, there are people like this in the world. That's true. But I don't know if that, again, it's one of those things, like, be, at what point is it pandering, and yeah, at what point is it actual representation? Actual representation. Yeah. I think that's hard. I do want to talk a little bit about... Steve. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about um, the scrolls, not just because I love them, but because of what they, because of the other thing that they kind of um, mimicked that's going on a lot in our real life right now, which is illegal aliens, literally. Um, like the Kree have decided that the scrolls are bad for some reason, and we don't know why really in this. Um, I believe that in the comics there is some sort of explanation as to when this war started and why and how. Um, but in Captain Marvel, we don't get any of that. We just get Kree good, scroll bad, until you realize, woo, that's flipped. Uh-oh. Um, and so you kind of have this idea of like these people that are, are fleeing war and just looking for a home and they're being persecuted and they're being hunted and they really need help. And I think that the they portrayed that very well. Mm-hmm. I think there was a way that they, I think there was a way it could have gone very wrong because I think with so much that was going on in the movie, that could have really ended up being like a footnote. Yeah. But I think they did a good job of integrating it without making it overshadow what was going on with her, but also not making it so small that it was, it didn't make sense for her to go off and do that after the movie ended. Yeah. And it, I think it was also really interesting the way that there was a distinct line drawn between the refugees that were in the base, out in space, and the militarized, like, resistance. Yeah. In how both of those are a factor of colonization. Yeah. Both of those happen. And so while, on one hand, fighting with the militarized version, it makes sense because all parties understand that you're fighting. But then when they came in and attacked the refugee camp, basically, that's a whole nother level of, like, not okay. And that's kind of what really pissed off Carol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was like, oh, no, no, no. You don't get to fight these ones. These ones haven't done shit to you. Right. Yeah. Right. You know? And just, like, being willing to draw that line of, like, okay, combatant, non-combatant. There's a difference. Yeah. And, and her able to develop her character and the ability to change her mind and be open to changing her mind instead of being closed-minded and going, oh, no, this is what I know and this is what I'm going to stick with. It's She was open to learning and to finding out about the rest of the world and figuring out what was right and what was wrong and not just what she was told. I think that's a thing that's hard in today's climate because a lot of people label that quote-unquote flip-flopping. It's like, oh, well, at first you thought this way and now you think this way so obviously you're just flip-flopping and you're just going with whatever's trending and blah 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 but like what we need to remember is that we learn and we grow and our opinions change and that's okay Mm-hmm. And, like, her going through that journey, I think, was a really good parallel for that. Yeah, uh, definitely. In real life. So let's wrap this up. Um, if you were going to go see one movie again, which movie would you go see? Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. I don't think that that was a, 
a question for many of us. So Wonder Woman's getting another movie. It's going to be Wonder Woman uh, 1984. Mm -hmm. That is set to come out in 2021, 22? No, this year. This Uh, year? 2020. 2020. I'm sorry, not this year. This year is 19. Next year, 2020. I think it's it's May. I think so. Wow. May or June of next year. So that's, that's coming up. What what do you guys want to see changed in that movie that you think will kind of help fix some of the problems that we have with this one? Steve well, won't be there. Yeah, Steve's dead, so, so that cool. helps. Right, but does she get another uh, love interest? Because in well, the comics, Wonder Woman is with pretty much every male Justice League hero. <laughs> like, I did, not <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, she, um, she has... It, well, no, so here's the thing, though. In the very beginning of the this current Wonder Woman movie, she goes, walks into... The the museum and sits down with a computer and she's got a cell phone. So obviously it's current. It's modern day. So this new movie is going to go back to 1984. There didn't seem to be anyone else based on what we saw with her. There was no images of of other people. There was no mention of men or anything like that. So we have the possibility of not having to deal with that again. Thank you. That's where I was going. Because she got, yeah, she got that, uh, the picture from Tony. No, not Tony. Batman. 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 The DC version of Tony. Bruce. Bruce. There you go. Batman. 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 Yes. Uh, Yeah. That's where I was going with it. Because she gets that photo, Mm -hmm. and she's still obviously 100% head over heels for Steve. Right. So, I don't don't know. Is it head over heels, or is it nostalgia, though? Yes. Um, I can look at pictures of old boyfriends and be like, oh, I remember when... We were a thing, and that was good. Yeah, we but but so other, but. but she looks at that photo, and then like the rest of the movie, yeah, leads you to believe that she's know. still a hundred percent in love with There's him. There's a really weird monologue at the beginning of the end that don't really connect for me. I tried to follow the line, and I couldn't. Like it was very strange. What else? So no Steve, obviously, and and that looks like it's going to be a thing. What other things would we like to see? I'd like to see better costuming, less slow mo, and way less attention to just her plain. Flat out beauty let's yeah. stop talking about that yeah mm-hmm. i would like to see more of the amazons and I more of that. the mascara and like develop that as well i mean that had to have been important it's where she fucking came from right it would be amazing to have the amazons come off the island and into the modern well the 1984 world do we know that if they do that in the comics? I am not sure. I'm not either. They do? I, I was about to say, at some point they do. I will point out that Hippolyta does tell her when she leaves the island that she can't come back. No, no, no. She says she may not come back. Yes. The way that she says it, though, could be a loophole of you may die out there. Right. But I... So the inflection that she gave, it sounded like a command. You may not come back. Like, you aren't allowed to. But I don't know if it was that or if it was what you're saying where it was they were building in a loophole so they couldn't. What I'm, what I'm getting to with this is that we might not ever see that mascara again because of that. Mm. Which I was trying to figure out the whole movie why that would be. I'm like, do you just not like that she's gone against your will or... Well, it would make sense in the sense of Themyscira is hidden, so it's True. really hard to find. Maybe she can't find it again. Really hard to find the Germans in a rowboat go right into it. Listen, <laughs> didn't write the damn thing. Don't when come at me crazy. When it's for the plot, you can find it. <laughs> There's a clitoris joke in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and Zeke's turning red, and we broke him again. <laughs> I kind of want to give a, a 
wrap up statement here because I feel like we're picking on Wonder Woman a little bit and and I, I while I understand why that's happening because it that wasn't as good I also want to point out that you know there are things that Captain Marvel could have done better I can't think of very many of them I I think honestly what Captain Marvel needs to do is make sure that they don't go down the track that they went down um for Endgame yeah. Where she just kind of becomes God. Because that is very quickly going to become boring. And we're going to end up in Superman territory. And I really don't want that to happen. So yeah, I want them to be very careful of that. And I'm, I'm really hopeful. Honestly, I'm really hopeful for what both of these movies bring. Mostly because Captain Marvel came out after Wonder Woman. And not that it helped. But after Guardians of the Galaxy came out, they did reshoots for Suicide Squad to kind of change their story a little bit. Again, not that it helped, but maybe they'll take some, you know, some lessons from what Captain Marvel did and, and the things that went really well and make some changes to it. So Both movies are groundbreaking in their yeah. own way. Mm-hmm. And so by piggybacking off of each other, like, I don't think Captain Marvel could have done what Captain Marvel did without Wonder Woman kind of I ki- I the way. I kind of agree with that. I really you know? do. I, and I, I think that being the first one that Wonder Woman did a lot of things well mm-hmm. and had a lot of very iconic moments that you think of when you think of Wonder Woman now these are the things that kind of come to your mind and I think that that's really cool shield oh yeah that was really cool yeah we didn't even talk about that that was great that's one of my favorite scenes yeah alright so that's it for this episode of Fem Fandom our editor is Kate our producer is Zeke Lover Royster our production assistants and transcriptionists are Christina Lover Royster and Mike Stewart you can check out more awesome content at basementgeekinc.com if you have a topic idea or if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at femfandompod at gmail.com if you enjoyed the show please Please, please, please leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes or on your podcast app of choice. It's really helpful for us. It helps other people find the show. Or if you don't want to do that, take a second, share it with your friends. We really want to get the word out there and have more people come into this content because we think it's kind of important and fun. So if you want to follow us, we're on Twitter at Fem Fandom or at Basement Geek Inc. I'm at Callie Rome. And I, Kate, am at Geekery and Coffee. And I, Fern, am at, uh, at Fern Fandom. Until next time, remember... No matter what the fandom, you're not alone. Bye. Mm-mm-mm, we were going somewhere, and now we're over here, and we can't get back there. <laughs> <laughs>